chapter by chapter, verse by verse. Uh, we are, let's start here, let's just start here again in verse uh, 17. If you need a Bible in Spanish or English, raise your hand. You've got to say which language, though. Uh, Bible, 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 any other Bibles? Do you need a Bible? Okay, chapter 3 of Philippians. What a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful book. Oh my. Just, this is just such uh, food for the soul, empowering, convicting. I'm going to be in verse 17 again. It says, Brethren, join in following my example and note those who so walk as you have us for a pattern, for many walk, of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame who set their mind on earthly things. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body, that it may be conformed to his glorious body, according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself, chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, my beloved and longed for brethren, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord beloved. Now go down to verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you what it does to us, Lord. I thank you how it just gets in and just shakes us, encourages us, convicts us, comforts us. We need it, Lord, this morning. Please give it to us. I pray I would not be a hindrance to whatever it is that you want to do today. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, you may be seated. So chapter 4, verse 1 says this, Therefore, my beloved and long-for brethren, my joy and my crown, So stand fast in the Lord, beloved. We're going to be spending the whole message on that verse. So stand fast in the Lord. Stand fast in the Lord. It's so important, we'll just put it up. Therefore, so stand fast in the Lord. 
few other verses like it. We have, is that Ephesians? Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And then a few verses later in Ephesians chapter is it 6, 13 and 14, for this reason, take up the full armor of God so that you may be able to stand your ground on the evil day and having done everything to stand, stand firm, therefore. Stand fast in the Lord, chapter 4, verse 1 says. What does that mean to stand fast in the Lord? You know, we have a small group ministry in our church. It's called 2-7. And if you're interested... Solomon, do we have a 2-7 sign up in the back as well? Yes, we do. If you're interested, sign up. We've probably had 60 or 70 people completed. It's 33 weeks, three books, 11 weeks each. And the whole theme is Colossians 2, verse 7, which is a great definition of what it means to stand fast. And we're going to be talking about this, this whole message today, what this means to stand fast in the Lord. So important. February 2000. 24, Boston, Massachusetts, we're here. God has chosen you to be. Don't be complaining, wishing you were living 50 years ago or 200 years ago. God wanted you here now in this city at this time to stand fast. And so Colossians 2.7, great, great definition of what it means to stand fast. It means to be rooted and built up in him, him being who? Who's him? Jesus. To be um, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith, as you've been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. If you're taking notes, what does it mean to stand fast? This is it. Right there. So, there are four things there in this verse. The first is to be rooted. The second, in him. Uh, Can we uh, back up, uh, uh, Wenley, to to the verse? Four things. Um, uh, the next one, great, great. So four things here, rooted in him, number one, built up in him, number two, established in the faith, three, and abounding in it, what? In faith with thanksgiving, that's number four. So I wanna put the, um, um, you can put the chart up now, Winley, thanks. I I just wanna go through this because this is so important. What does it mean to stand fast in the Lord? Philippians 4.1 says, Therefore, brethren, my my beloved, my crown, please stand fast in the Lord. What does it mean? Number one, to be rooted in him. Meaning, having established roots in your life in the word of God, watered by the Holy Spirit. So think of roots underneath you that are the source of strength in your life. Their roots in the word of God, the fertilizer, the water being the Holy Spirit. Number two, it means what stand fast in him means to be built up in him, meaning built up by the love of God, the gentleness of God, built up by the discipline of God, 
Number three, established in the faith. This is all Colossians 2, 7. And established in the faith, meaning you not only understand the word, you actually believe it and do it. And then the fourth thing, what does it mean to stand fast abounding in it, in your faith, with thanksgiving, meaning there is a humility and joy in you because you know where the blessing on your life has come from. Doesn't mean you don't struggle with pride, but there's a humility there where you know that the blessing of your life, it comes from the Lord, and there's joy and thanksgiving there. Stand fast, Colossians 2, 7. Great verse for figuring out. You know, sometimes we just whip through the Bible. We go, stand fast in the Lord. Interesting, yeah, I stand fast. What does that mean? Well, that's what it means. By the way, standing fast and walking strong, really the same thing in the Bible. When the Bible refers um, as to standing fast, it doesn't mean you stop moving forward in your life and ministry and walking. So actually, Colossians 2.7, the context is walking strong, but there really is no difference. There's, there, there, there's some context where sometimes you, get, you just got to stand, you know, and not move forward like things are so intense. It's just like, whoa, you know. Uh, uh, but, but for the most part, standing fast, walking strong. So we're talking about, again, just I'm going to be putting this verse up over and over. Therefore, so stand fast in the Lord. I'm going to talk about what that so means. Um, but uh, it says, it doesn't just say stand fast. It means so stand fast um, in the Lord. So here's the deal. There's a whole lot out there trying to knock you down. There is so much out there. In fact, there's a spirit out there. We live in a spiritual world. There's a spirit out there, a profoundly uh, spiritual thing, and it will try to, it'll try to tear down your roots uh, or tear up your roots. It'll try to, um, again, Wenley, can we have the, the chart? It, it'll try to, try to tear down the building. It, it, it'll try to um, disrupt your faith and shake it. And it'll try to, uh, number four, um, it'll try to rob you of your thanksgiving and joy. So much out there that's trying to tear up your roots, tear down the building in Christ, destabilize your faith, and rob you of your joy. Just so much in the media, social media, internet, entertainment, a worldview which will try to tear down all things God. Just try to tear down all things God in your life. There's a spirit out there. The workplace that you're in um, will often distract you from, from uh, just staying in that place, from standing fast. Just trials of life, and there are many. Anguish with family, friends, neighbors, and people. You know, oh, the world would be such an easy place if there's no people. You know, you hear that expression. Uh, people can be difficult. So can you. You're some of those people, by the way. But, 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 but anyway, th th there's just a zillion temptations. Trying to destabilize our faith. And the, again, the verses stand fast in the Lord. There's a zillion temptations. And then there are just the things 
perhaps the most dangerous that Paul describes at the end of uh, chapter three that we were in this morning. Again, back up into verse 18 of chapter three, he says, for many walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping that they are enemies of the cross, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, whose glory is in their shame, who set their mind on earthly things. We were um, in this last week, those two verses last week. Jesus speaks of wheat, and then right next to the wheat or in among it are tares. The tares are counterfeits. They're people who speak the Christian language, but they ain't Christians. And they will try to they will try to tear you down under the guise of their faith. And he's saying, I warn you, even weeping, be careful of these things, be careful. And then he says in verse one, remember there's no chapter break when the, uh, this letter was written. Then he goes right into the uh, um, verse, verse one, therefore, so stand fast in the Lord. Stand fast in the Lord. Okay, so now let's talk about what does this mean? Therefore, so stand fast in the Lord. That word, so, I'm telling you, I am I, always trying to get people to slow down when they read the Bible. There's others that, um, I remember we were on with Pastor Brian in Peru. He's like, I read the Bible four or five times a year. You guys need to speed up. You need <laughs> so, and there's something beautiful to that, believe me, going through the Bible quickly. But I'm always trying to get people to slow down because it says here, therefore, uh, when do we have it? Therefore, so stand fast in the Lord. What's that so about? What's the there, therefore about? Well, what it really means is this. What it really is saying is this. Because of this, stand fast in the Lord. Well, because of what? Well, you have to back up a few verses um, to see what he's talking about. And really, it's because of what he says in uh, verse 20. He says, for our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly await for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, So putting this all together, he's saying, because you're a citizen of heaven and you're filled with hope, you can Stand fast in the Lord. That's the point he's making. Let me just repeat that. Because you are a citizen of heaven, because you are, you can stand fast in the Lord. That's the, that's the point that he has, is making here. Calvary Chapel, look at that, verse 20. Just look at it. It says, we are citizens of heaven. You are a citizen of heaven. You need to just brand that into your soul. You're a citizen of heaven. So remember, we saw this last week, this verse from Colossians. He has saved us from or out of the kingdom of darkness. And he has brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves. So you've been taken out of a kingdom of darkness and in that kingdom, it sounds strange to our modern ears, 
that Satan is the king. In 1 John chapter 5, it says the whole world is under the sway of the evil one. Um, Satan brought up, when he was tempting Jesus, he brought him to the highest point of the temple and said, look at all these kingdoms of mine. Bow down to me. I'll give them all to you. So the Lord God has granted for a season Satan some, some reign in the world, or a reign. Now, when I say that, R-E-I-G-N, meaning um, he, he, he's got some, he, 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 there's, he's ruling, in a sense, in the world, Satan. And so you've been taken out of a kingdom of darkness when God saves you, and you've been brought into a different kingdom. So important that you understand that. You're a citizen of that kingdom now, and the king of this kingdom is none other than the Lord Almighty. You're a citizen of that kingdom. You're a citizen of heaven, and, and, and so important that you understand the purchase price that God paid prior to transferring you, putting you into this kingdom, he paid a purchase price for you. You know, at, at, the, um, in, 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 at the time this letter was written, Rome ruled the whole known world. To be a Roman citizen was a big, big, big deal. So you could be born a Roman citizen, but you could also, what, purchase it for a lot of dough. I mean, you had to be really rich to purchase Roman citizenship. And the Bible teaches that God purchased you prior to putting you into his kingdom, taking you out of the kingdom of darkness. He purchased you, said you don't belong there anymore. He purchased you and he puts you in the kingdom of the son of his love. So in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18 and 19, you, and, and guess what? Guess what you means? Point to yourself. Just go like this, everyone. Means you. It means you. You were purchased by God. With, uh, he says you were not purchased with corruptible things like silver or gold, but the, with the precious blood of Jesus Christ, of, of the precious blood of God, by the way. The book of Acts says this. The book of Acts says, um, he's talking to leaders of the church in the, book of, uh, in the church of Ephesus, and he tells them, listen, you guys, this is the last time he ever sees them. He says, shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. Oh, that you and I would just Chew on that, meditate on that, let that sink in. You were purchased with the blood of Christ, with the blood of the Son of God. And then he took you out of the kingdom of darkness and he put you into the kingdom of the Son of his love. And now, verse 20 says, you're a citizen. You're a citizen of heaven. So, you didn't become a citizen of heaven by being really, 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 really good. You didn't become a citizen of heaven by making up for all the bad things you've done in the past. The price of heaven, no human being could ever pay, even in a thousand lifetimes. Could never pay it. 
Jesus Christ purchased your citizenship with his own blood. And because of that, you can stand fast in the Lord. Are you following me? Yes. Are you making the connection? We're talking about what it means to stand fast in the Lord. You can because you're a citizen of heaven. That's the point there. And listen, you can stand fast in the Lord because you know, Calvary Chapel, that you have a great king. You have a great king. One of the saddest verses in the Bible is Malachi 1.14, which says this, I'm a great king. You know why that's sad? Because God had to say it. Because the people didn't believe it or act like it or know it. And he has to say, say it to us for us to get it. I am a great king, says the Lord of hosts. You guys are not behaving that way. You guys are not believing me in that way. You guys are not uh, walking that way at all. You're not raising your families that way. You're not in your schools in that way. You're not in your jobs in that way. You're not neighbors in that way. But I am a great king, he says. He says, I am a great king, the Lord of hosts, and my name is to be feared among the nations. And then it says, uh, and then it says a few verses actually before, it says, from the rising of the sun to, from the rising of the sun to its setting, my name shall be great among the nations. Do we have that, Wendley? From the rising of the sun to its setting, my name will be great among the nations. So God's name will be great among the nations. He does that by making you stand fast. He makes, he becomes great among the nations by making you. He could have chosen any way to make his name great. He makes his name great by his people. There's another verse in Samuel, uh, I think it's 1 Samuel, he says, he says, who is like my people Israel who God has chosen to make his name great? So, so from the rising of the sun to the setting, uh, uh, he, he, my name will be great among the, the nation, and, and he does that um, by, by making you stand fast, you stand fast, by the power of God. So in Zechariah, well-known verse, it says this. Do we have that, Wendley? Not by human might, not by human power, but my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Do you stand fast? Is everyone with me? You have a great king. And for that reason, you can stand fast. Now, Let's just hit the pause button for a second. Probably a week doesn't go by that I don't hear someone say something like, you just got to cling to the Lord. Cling to the Lord. Would you stop saying that, please, if you're in here? It's, just, it's not a Bible thing, clinging to the Lord. 
it's rare. The, how many people have heard the expression? How many people have said it? I have. <laughs> but it's not a Bible thing. It, 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 it's rare. The word is rarely used in the Bible. Uh, but when it is, we cling to the Lord for our own comfort, not because like he's going to get away or something. So perfect example, Psalm 63. Do we have that, Wenley? My soul clings to you, your right hand upholds me. You get it? It's kind of like a, a, a baby. I was just with uh, my new grandbaby, Noelle Juliet. And, uh, and, and you know, you can hold her in, in your arms, but she'll be clinging to you. But that's not doing nothing. When you cling to God, it's not helping you be uphold. It's comforting you. But we get a, But please, stop using that expression. If what you're talking about is somehow God's going to let you go. Jesus says in John chapter 10, I have you in the palm, palm of my hands. No one... There's no way you can get cast out. There's no way you're going to be able to fall away. So, so again, un, I'm going to unhit the pause button. Philippians 4.1, therefore, so stand fast in the Lord. The Lord has you. You're, his, uh, you're a citizen in his kingdom. You also are a son. You also are a daughter. And he's a great king. And he has sworn by his own name that he is going to be great among the nations, that his glory will fill all the world. And shockingly, because sometimes we have a very low view of ourselves, he's using us, he's using you to do that by standing fast in the Lord. Again, in verse, uh, chapter four, verse one, therefore, my beloved, my long for brethren, my joy and my crown, so stand fast in the Lord. So let's continue talking. How, tell me, Pastor Steve, a little bit more. How do you do it? How do you stand fast in the Lord? Very, 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 so very different than the world stands fast. The natural man, and we all got it, the natural man, the natural woman, has a very, 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 very different idea of what it means to stand fast. There's a spirit filled. The Bible says, walk in the spirit and you will not satisfy the lust of your flesh. There's a spirit-filled way of standing fast, and then there's the natural way. I'm very, very, very familiar with the way the natural man does it. I had a long experience at that. But perhaps the best picture in the Bible of how the natural man tries to stand fast in the Lord is the Apostle Peter in the book of Matthew. Chapter 26, the setting, it's right before Jesus gets arrested. They're on the Mount of Olives. They've left the Last Supper. Judas has gone off to betray Jesus. They've walked again outside of Jerusalem. They're in the Mount of Olives. 
And Jesus says to them, he says this. He says, this night you will all fall away on account of me. And Peter answered him and said, even if all fall away because of you, I will never fall away. That's how the natural man stands fast, right there. Even if everyone else is going to wimp out, chicken out, and get out, I'm going to stay with you. Hmm. So they walk a little, they walk, walk not too far away, stay on the Mount of Olives, but they get to this place called the Garden of Gethsemane. And he, he takes Peter and James and John with him and he leaves his disciples and he goes away to pray with them. And this is what he, this is what he says to Peter, James, and John. He says, my soul is exceedingly sorrow. This is Jesus speaking, by the way. My soul is exceedingly sorrowful. Even to death, stay here and watch with me. And so he goes off and prays and then he comes back and then he says, then he came to the disciples and found them sleeping and he said to Peter, what could you not watch with me one hour? So that's, he's not doing too well at standing fast, right? Standing fast like the natural man stand fast. Uh, that's not really good, falling asleep, snoring, you know, whatever, when, when the Lord had just told him, please, he says, my soul is exceedingly sorrow to the point of death. Stay with me. Watch with me. He's sleeping. Then he prays three times. And then he gets up. And they come to arrest him. Come with Judas. The Bible says that Judas arrived with a great multitude with swords and clubs. And said he had given them a sign. The one that I kiss sees him. And he came up to Jesus and said, greetings, Rabbi. And he kissed him. And Jesus said, my friend, why are you here? And then it says that the men who were with Judas came up, laid hands on Jesus, and took him away. And it says, and, it, and then it says, at that time, this is what it says, suddenly one of those who were with Jesus stretched out his hand and drew his sword, struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. Now who was this? We know it from another book. It was Peter. This is how the natural man stands fast in the Lord. This is, this is how they do it right here. This is how the natural man stands fast in the, in the Lord. Um, and by the way, if you don't know how the story continues, Jesus tells them, put away your sword, and those who live by the sword will perish by it. And, and then all the disciples wind up forsaking Jews, Jesus and running away, and Peter denies Jesus three times. That's how the natural man stands fast. Even if everyone falls away, not me, not me, I'm strong. 
You don't believe in Jesus Christ? Whack! You know, this type of thing. That's what the, uh, in the Old Testament, by the way, the best picture is Moses at the very beginning of him as a young adult, uh, knowing who God was. He saw an Egyptian beating up a Jew and he, he, he kills the Egyptian and buries him. They find out who did it. He gets terrified and runs away for 40 years. That's how the natural man stands fast. By doing real stupid stuff. Therefore, stand fast in the Lord. So, you know, when we, when we read verses like this, stand fast in the, in the Lord, or, or um, be strong in the Lord and in the, in the power of his might, especially young men, it's like, yeah! To pick up the Bible like a sword. Yeah. But that's not how we do it, brothers and sisters. This is how we do it. And I actually prayed, well, should I do this? I don't want to be a spectacle of myself. But we don't do it like this. We do it like this. God help me! Please, God help me! That's how we do it. So let's go back to the Garden of Gethsemane. Again, it says, it, it says Jesus said, my soul, do we have that, Wenley? My soul is exceedingly sorrowful even to death. And what does Jesus do? Remember it says, stand fast in the Lord. The Bible says that when you give your life to Jesus Christ, you're in the Lord, you join to him. You, 1 Corinthians 6 says you're one in spirit with him. And, 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 and so what did he do? He said, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful even to death. And what does he do? How does he stand fast in the Lord? Next verse, it says, he went a little farther and he fell on his face and he prayed. You know what your problem and mine is? It's shameful to do that. This is not cool. It's not American. And we wonder why our lives and the, ch and, and, and the church of Jesus Christ in the United States is so weak because we're not doing what Jesus did. Look at this is what he did. He went a little farther. He fell on his face. And then he said, and, and, and prayed and said what? Oh, my father. He's on his face. The son of God is getting his face dirty. And he's, and he's crying out, oh, my father. Uh, and that's what he did. And you know the prayer, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And then the book of Luke says that at that time, at that exact moment, the angel of the Lord came and strengthened him. Stand fast in the Lord. Falling on your knees, falling on your face and saying, oh my father, help. And then I love what happens, by the way, after he prays three times. It says simply this. He comes back after, uh, after praying three times and he comes to his disciples and he says, rise, let us be going. And then he goes and he endures the most excruciating affliction and pain and trial that any man has ever faced in the history of the world. 
And how did he do that? How did he stand fast in the Lord? By getting on his face, praying, and crying out to the Lord. The Bible says that on the cross, when you consider what Jesus did in the Garden of Gethsemane to prepare and then just endure everything, it said not only all of hell came against him, by the way, your homework, Psalm 22, is a description of Jesus. It's a prophetic psalm description of Jesus on the cross with the demons were doing right in front of his face. But it says not only hell was coming against him, heaven was coming against him. The Bible says that wrath of God came upon him on the cross as a punishment for your sin. For your sin. You cannot pay for your sin. Only Jesus Christ can pay for your sin. The only way that you can pay for your sin is in hell forever and the payment's never gonna end. But, but, but Jesus Christ didn't like that, didn't want that. He, he didn't like it. He loved you. He came and took on the wrath for you. And the Bible says you place your faith in Jesus Christ and he will come into you. You'll get the gift of the Holy Spirit and you, you'll be with him forever. God will be your king. You'll be a citizen of heaven, the Bible says. Stand fast in the Lord. Jesus cried out to his father for help. He was strengthened by the Lord, the Bible says. And as hard as it and difficult for us to conceive this, as it did say, his pain, his emotional pain, his emotional distress. Remember, he said, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death, he said. The source, the Bible says, when God strengthened him, the source of his strength was, what was it? Three-letter word? Joy. It was joy. Is that crazy or what? Hebrews chapter 12 verse 2, well-known verse. Jesus, who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. He was given joy. Now, I believe the source of that joy was reuniting with his father the way, in the same way, in a sense, that he was before he went down to earth. Just the joy of that. That's the joy that God gives us. That's the joy that God gives you. Nehemiah chapter eight, verse 10 says, the joy of the Lord is our strength. So one way or another, no matter how bad the trial, we stand fast in the Lord and the source of our strength is joy. Go to chapter four, verse four of Philippians. Yes, we're back in Philippians. Let's actually go back, read just a few verses after he says in verse one, stand fast in the Lord. He says in verse four, rejoice in the Lord always again. I will say rejoice. Joy is the source of your strength. And that's why you get on your face and you cry out to the Lord and say, I have none of it. I need, I don't have it. I'm, I'm completely weak. So where did Peter go wrong? Peter said, where did he go wrong? You know, when Jesus came back to him when he was sleeping, again, what did Peter say? Jesus says, oh, you're gonna forsake me? He says, even if all else um, um, forsake you, I will not. Um, the, his first 
test on that. He's fallen asleep. Jesus comes to him and he, and he said what? He said, pray so that you do not enter into temptation. That was his issue. He didn't do what Jesus did. Jesus fell on his face and prayed. Peter didn't pray. So I want to just close with this. When we fall on our face and we pray and we get on our knees or, or whether we're standing and, 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 and praying to God or whether we're sitting or whatever we, we, we do, um, the, our prayer really is a little different than Jesus' prayer. Do we from time to time fall on our face like Jesus? Yes. Do we say, oh, my father, like Jesus? Yes. Do we cry out your will, not my will, like Jesus? Yes. But unlike Jesus, we have bodies and minds that have been terribly weakened by sin. And when we get on our face and in prayer, we gotta remember that and we need to just, Lord, remember. Remember who I am, as if he needed to, rem uh, to be reminded. But we need to be remind ourselves, remember, Lord. And, 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 and uh, back there in chapter three, where it says, in verse 20, it says, our citizenship is in heaven from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus, who will transform our lowly body. Now remember what we said last week, the lowly body is, the literal Greek is a, a couple words, it's, it's this, it's the body of humiliation. That's what it, Philippians 3, 20 and 21, it's, it's the body of humiliation. And it says in that verse, God's gonna, when Jesus returns, he's gonna change your body of humiliation to a body of glory. And, and why, why is it a body of, of, of humiliation? It's because of sin. It's because of sin. Sin has so weakened you, listen to me. You don't even have control over that tiny little thing called your tongue. If you have control over your tongue, please stop by at me after the service. I want to get your autograph. You know, there, I've never met any person, however godly, the godliest, most godly spiritual person you go to, do you have complete control over your, they, over your tongue? They will immediately say no. That's how weakened by sin you are. The sin I am just this past week. I had to apologize to a, a, a couple folks because I, the words that I, I, I were presenting to them were without that love and kindness of Christ. I, I, I tell you, I have a body of humiliation. I have a tongue of humiliation. The, the Bible also says we have... We don't have the control of our tongue. We don't have much control over our mind and playing with thoughts. Uh, it, 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 until we die, there are other things God has graced us with where we have developed control, but we need to get before the Lord if we want to stand fast in the Lord and we need to begin with, Lord, I got this body of humiliation. You know how weak I am. You know how powerless I am. I need your help, and he will. He'll help you. He absolutely, positively will help you. Why? Because you're a citizen of heaven. God is your king. He's a great king. And if we can just 
finish with these verses in Malachi again. He says, I am a great king, says the Lord of hosts. And then it says uh, in the next verse, from the rising to the sun to its setting, my name will be great among the nations. Uh, And then it says again, not by my might, nor by uh, human power rather, but by my spirit, says the Lord, he will empower you to stand fast in the Lord because it's all about his glory and he's wanting to make his name great in, in, in the nations. So if I text or call one of you or a few of you this week and say, how do you stand fast in the Lord? Are you gonna be able to answer? A few things, maybe, yeah. Stand fast in the Lord, he says. Therefore, my brethren, verse one, rather, therefore, my beloved, my long for brethren, my joy, my crown, so stand fast in the Lord, beloved. I'm gonna call the worship team up at this time. And if you've been asked to pray, if you could come up at this time. Just such a wonderful theme. You've got a great king. He holds you in the palm of his hands. Sure, you can cling to him, but that's for for your comfort because he is, the Bible said, a shield around you. I want to ask that you would stand at this time. We're just going to worship together. My prayer is that as we're worshiping, we're just remembering before the Lord, God, you are a great king. I get it. You are. And if something that I have mentioned in the message has stirred you up to pray, please come up. Maybe you are in this room today and you have never made Jesus Christ your king. So I went to church a lot for the first 20-something years of my life. Jesus Christ, I had never made him king. He was a lot of other things. He was not my king. If you've never done that, it's important that you do. The Bible says that we die one time and then comes the judgment. And at the judgment, I don't know exactly what the transaction looks like. I just know it's, we're repeatedly told there's a judgment when we die. And the issue is going to be whether you trusted in Jesus to pay for your sins on the cross, excruciating death, or whether you insisted because of your own pride to the end of your life or to his coming, then no, I'll, I'll, I'll try to pay for my sins. I'll try to be good enough. I'll try to be not bad enough. 
the Bible says the, if you're the latter, you will be spending an eternity apart from God in a place of suffering and judgment. For forsaking, for rejecting what Jesus Christ, what God did, he so loved the world that he gave his only son. Whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And it comes that, that believing, that trusting, that transfer from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of the son of his love happens when you just make him your king, believing what he did. If you've never done that, come forward. And if there's anything else you'd like to pray about, we are here at Calvary Chapel not just for a Bible study, but to do business with the Lord. So if you need to do some kind of business with the Lord, just with prayer, asking for prayer, you can come up at this time. Otherwise, it's a worship. Father, I just thank you, Lord. I thank you, I thank you, I thank you for encouraging us, for encouraging me in your word, Lord. Finish out the work in us, Lord. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.